four lines from the bottom, four lines from the top, sorry, four lines from the top, Memtes of an Aleph 49a, Bizman Shehem Lachen. So we're going back to, uh, we're going back to the Mishnah, which talked about different substances that one would use to wrap there an item on Shabbos to keep it hot. Chacham made gzera not to use anything for hatmana for wrapping, which is from a substance which heat. The reason being that that would lead you to using a coal, a hot coal, a roimach, which would end up being a problem of bishul on Shabbos, and we wanted to avoid that, and therefore. We uh, so we analyzed different materials. One of the materials that we said in the Mishnah that you uh, that you can use uh, that you can't use is grass. Basavim, but bezman shehen lachin, avotayim So we differentiate in the Mishnah between items which are hot and items which are cold. Uh, and let us see now. The Gemara is going to go back and actual and analyze that. Says the Gemara, "Bezman shein lachin iboy lehu lachin machmas atzman idilma lachin machmas davar acher." The the differentiation that we made in the Mishnah between wet and not wet applied to all the materials mentioned in that list in the Mishnah, and we wanted to know. What type of wetness or moisture are we talking about that makes a difference whether you can use the items on Shabbos for wrapping up hot food or not? Are we talking about natural liquid, natural uh, moisture, or that you soaked it intentionally? I'm not sure whether the anticipated outcome, I guess, is that when it's soaked, Right, we said in the Mishnah that if it's uh, dry, then it's more lenient. Then you may use them. So I guess soaking them would create more insulation, uh, and that's we wanted to know whether we were even uh, enabling that. So uh, Rashi Rashi actually explains that third line down in the na- on the right hand column from the top. Lachin machmas atzman if it's natural liquid, then it, in, it creates more heat than if it would be a liquid that fell on it. Pashama says the Gemara, let us bring a brisa, which will hopefully be able to clarify what the author of our Mishnah intended to teach us. What type of liquid? that you may not use all these items that we listed in the Mishnah, not with Teven, which is straw, Savim, uh, Azagim, which is the uh, residue of the, the leftover grapes that had been crushed, uh, and not with these uh, um, pieces of material, and not uh, that right. That's what we said. If you're telling me that it's 
talking about moisture, which you got, you soaked it with water that you brought in from somewhere else. We can understand all of those cases could be dry, could be wet. Says the Gemara, if you're telling me that it's the natural moisture, so we uh, that makes sense by grapes. Let's say that there's still moisture left over in the grape skins, but material we said muchin uh, muchin could include wool material, swas pieces of wool. But how do you have natural? Uh, what natural liquid does wool that was sheared from a sheep have? Says the Gemara, mi marta debeni it me. There is, in, fa- in fact, uh, uh, a possibility that we're talking about the wool which came not from the side of a sheep, but from in between the legs, in between the thighs. And Rashi says that it's full of sweat and uh, it, you just sheared it off and it still has that sweat on the material. So the Gemara said, you can also ask the question on the, on the teachings of Rabbi Aishia. As Rabbi Aishia taught us that you may do hatmana on Shabbos with dried out, uh, with dried out clothing, garments, or dried out fruit, uh, but not when they're wet. And we, what's the, what type of wetness was he talking about? How's it possible that they were wet from their own uh, garment is wet from its own natural moisture. Uh, once you make a, an item into a garment, it doesn't have any natural moisture. It says, the same thing that you used uh, wool that was from in between the legs and the, uh, the animal, and therefore it still has some natural moisture to it. That resolves the question that we had now in Mishnah, as well as the how to understand Rav Aisha's similar teaching to our Mishnah, that this that we said, that if it's dried out pieces of wool or other materials, we don't have a problem if you wrap up a pot in those materials on Shabbos, is true, as, and the only problem we have is if it's wet, from its own natural liquid, Rashi says that creates a greater insulating factor. You take wool that's uh, wet still from an animal, that would have a greater insulation than dried wool or even wool, which you yourself uh, sprayed water on to make it, uh, to make it wet. And that concludes the discussion of the materials from the previous Mishnah, but not the sugya of Hatmana in general, as now the Mishnah continues. Taimnin, Taimnin says the Mishnah, Taimnin Memtes Amin Aleph, a little bit, a third of the way down, Taimnin Bixus you may use uh, garments for uh, covering a pot on Shabbos to insulate it, to retain the heat from the fire, Ubeperis, and with fruits, you want to insulate it with fruit. What how you do that in a meaningful way, like what do you gain from that? I'm not sure, but uh, it's, uh, I guess they piled up fruit on top of a a pot and you will get some, you'll get some uh, insulation. Rashi explains that Paris fruit doesn't mean what we think typically of fruit. Rashi says, 
beans and uh, flour and, and wheat. So that could be that if you took a bale of wheat and put it over your pot, sure, that would have, that would serve to insulate it. Says the Gemara, so it says the mission, garments, fruit, with the birds of a, uh, the, the feathers of a yona, of a dove, um, with the boards of, uh, of, a, of a carpenter, of a woodmaker, so it really means uh, not regular boards over here. Uh, I think the Gemara will have a large discussion, but it's really what was left over from the carpenter, what he uh, had shaved off it with, uh, from a board of wood, or cut off, with uh, the, what's left over from flax when you separate it, the shaft, Yehuda says it depends what the size of the pishtan is. And a lot of these are brought into different discussions inside the Gemara. Says the Gemara, Amr Abyanai. The most beautiful Gemara. I think uh, it's amazing how Rishchidesh falls out on the daf with much uh, beautiful description of the future of the Jewish people. Amr Abyanai, So the Gemara uh, says a story which will understand the relevance very shortly. Abyanai taught us that uh, tefillin, a person wants to wear tefillin, they have to have a clean, what we call a gufnaki, a clean body, uh, where they're not going to be uh, doing anything that would be disrespectful to their tefillin, such as passing gas while they're wearing tefillin. Where do we see this? Kalisha Balknafaya, like the story of Elisha, who is known as the man of the wings, the Balknafaya. Mahi, what is the story? Mahi, what is the requirement that Rabbi was talking about that we must have when one's wearing tefillin? that they shouldn't pass gas, that you shouldn't go to sleep while wearing tefillin. Why was Elisha known as the Baal Nefayim? So uh, what, what was the connection of the man of the wings, which will be the connection to our Mishnah, because our Mishnah mentioned a halacha to do with dove's wing, with the wings of a dove. And therefore, we mention this story. There was a time that Raimi decreed on the Jewish people. That anybody who would wear tefillin, Shem Yerachim, they will pierce their, his skull. So there was a tremendous danger to even wear tefillin. You know, what we are currently going through in a spiritual, uh, spiritual distancing from not being able to daven tefillin b'tzibur because of a pandemic. So it's, of course, a tremendous, it impacts us tremendously. But compared to the equivalent of living in a time 
when the governments said, we will uh, pierce your skull if you wear tefillin, obviously we know we're living in a, whatever gezeira from Hashem is upon us about not being able to go daven in shuls, but it's certainly uh, better than many of the gezeiras which we read about in our history, such as here, where they said you are not allowed to wear tefillin or they will fashion your brains. Says the Gemara, so Elisha, even though there was a very big risk to his life, but Elisha Elisha would still wear tefillin. And not only would he wear tefillin in private, but he would wear them as regular. When they used to wear tefillin all day, he walked out into the marketplace wearing his tefillin. Uh, an officer saw him uh, wearing tefillin in the marketplace. He ran, uh, he, he ran, he ran after him. Even when he caught up to him, the Achsam Biyada, Elisha was standing there with no tefillin on his head, but they were rather in his hand. So the officer said to him, what is in your hand? These are, it's just a uh, wings of a dove of a bird. It's not tefillin in my hand. Obviously the officer said, open up your hand, let me inspect. He opened his hand, and indeed Hashem had made a miracle, and the tefillin turned into the wings of a dove. And therefore, he was given the name Elisha Baknafayim due to the miracle that happened to him. That happened to him. And what is the significance of the wings of a dove over other birds? So I guess the question is why, A, why did the miracle happen at the tefillin? turned into dove's wings. And why did Elisha tell the officer they were the wings of a dove? If he was making up a story, as obviously he had been holding tefillin a second ago, he could have said the wings of any bird. So says the Gemara, because the Jewish people are compared to a dove. So the Gemara quotes a Pesach in Tehillim, uh, that the wings of a dove are covered with silver is a, is a description of the Jewish people, of silver-covered dove wings. Just like a bird is saved from the cold, the, the, the Yonah bird is saved from the cold, with the thick covering of feathers on its wings, so too the Bnei Yisrael have wings of silver to protect it, and that those are the mitzvahs that we've been given and that we've fulfilled. So the Gemara brought in this story just for us to understand the significance of the wings of a Yaina, and not only significant when it comes to Hilchas Shabbos, to what you may cover your path with on Shabbos, but they also have a significance in our survival strategy, not just our survival to keep the challenge hot, but also our survival as an analogy to doing mitzvahs that we survive with the mitzvahs like the Yonah survives with the warmth from its wings. 
says the Gemara Benesiris shall crushing. So we said that you may use the uh, shavings of a carpenter on uh, on on the, like the splinters or the pieces that are left over from the carpenter as a form of atmana. Yehuda asked us the following question. So this question, it's a little, from our gifts, it seems like the that the Mishnah itself really didn't have this uh, question. But we wanted to know, um, is Rabbi Yehuda, that a Rabbi Yehuda who came along and said that he's matir, he's lenient, when it comes to thin shavings, was he indeed referring to the carpenter's shaving, or was he going back on the, or was he going on the case of Shopishtan, where we said uh, the, the the pieces of the shaft from the flax? Now our girsa seems to be, clearly indicate that it's only a machlokes on the Na'irus Shopishtan, as that Tanakama said Daka, and Rabbi Yehuda said, uh, went on and said it was lenient by Gaza. But it could be even, it could be that the, uh, the Gemara really had a different, slightly different girsa, as evident from the uncertainty as to which case Rabbi Yehuda was addressing. Tashama says, Gemara, the time Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda himself taught us explicitly in Ebraisa, that the leftover, the shaft of uh, pieces of Pishtun, of flax, uh, they're worthless, they're like, uh, they're, they're, uh, they're, gar- they're like Zevel. Now, what does that mean, they're like Zevel? Zevel means, Rashi says, the Moise of Hevel. It's one of the items that we said has its own, uh, has its own ability to add heat. It's uh, dung, it's manure. It says the Gemara, Shemamina, Irish Pishtun Kai Shemamina. So according to the way the Gemara has our Mishnah, in fact, Rabbi Yehuda was not referring to the uh, pieces of wood left over from a carpenter. Rather, he was saying that it seems like he was machmer, no matter what, uh, that he was uh, machmer, no matter, uh, he was, ma- was makel, no matter what. The only case where he was more differentiated between big or little were by pieces of the shaft of the flax. Says the Mishnah, the next Mishnah, almost on the bottom, Mentesamanam. One may do hatmano, you may cover your food, your pots, with hides. And you can carry them on Shabbos as well. They're not considered muktzah. Obviously, this is going to be um, a big discussion tomorrow. As we know, anything which has not been fashioned into a vessel yet becomes autom- is automatically muktzah. So we have to understand, even though you have a use for these hides, it doesn't mean that they had a status of a keli. The gizet semer with uh, pieces of wool, the ain't those can be the ain't Pieces of wool you can use for insulation. However, we do not want you to treat them as non-mukta items and carry them around. If they're mukta, then how do you, act, practically speaking, use them to cover up your food items? Let's say you covered it before Shabbos. And how do you take your food out from underneath the covering 
of the wall that's moktza, of these pieces of wall. So again, they were never formed into an actual uh, clothing item. Says the Gemara, Tanakama, says the Mishnah, you pull up the pot cover and automatically whatever's covering the pot from these pieces of semer will fall to the side. Rabbi Laza ben Azariah says, a different kupa shall meet al-tzida ben Rather, Rabbi Laza ben Azariah says, uh, put the... Uh, put the pot in a basket before Shabbos, cover it up, and then move the basket around on its side that you'll be able to pull out the pot from inside it. So you're not directly moving the wool, you're moving the basket which is covered up by the wool which contains the pot. Why should you do this? Because if you will just follow the advice of the first opinion, you may end up taking the pot out, taking out the cover, and the wool will actually collapse and you'll no longer have an insulated place to put the pot afterwards. That's not a problem that you would be able to put it in and out. And that's really not clear how you would do that if they're muktzah and they already collapsed. We'll have to wait for the Gemara to explain it. So, the juxtaposition here of learning on a Friday of Rosh Chodesh. The uh, first Gemara talks about the Kanfei Yoyna, how the mitzvahs protect us, and then the, immediately the Mishnah discusses how to make sure you can put your challenge Shabbos, or hot food in a place where if you uh, decide you want to have hot food later, it'll, or maybe guests will come, you'll be able to put them in an in a item which will retain the heat. Uh, that also is something which the Jews worry about very much. Uh, we worry about the mitzvahs, which will keep us safe, and the, both the mitzvahs that will keep us safe, and the, uh, and the chalant and the hot food on Shabbos, which will keep us going as well. Says the Gemara, three lines before they get wide, the 49a, Memtes of Aleph, Yosef Yonison ben Achinoi, Yonison ben Olazar. Rebbeinson ben Achinoi and Rebbeinson ben Elazar were sitting. They asked the following question to understand our Mishnah. This that we mentioned hides, were we talking about hides that, that we said you're allowed, they're mukta, were we talking about the... Uh, the hides of a private individual, and uh, that's why we allowed you to use use it for hatmana. Or we were talking about, about uh, but of course, if they belong to a workman, to an uman, a professional who pays money to buy the hides and intends to sell them on to future customers, that would of course not be good enough to say that it's not that it can be used for insulation, as those are really muktzahs, you have no intention of damaging them or ruining them or using them in any way. Or perhaps the Mishnah said, even though they're muktzah, but you can use them for hatmana, even if you bought them for resale, even if they're an item which you plan on selling, you're a professional. And certainly if they're your own private animal skins, your own private hides, then you would be allowed to use it for Hatmana on Shabbos.
This, of course, is one of the major cases of mukta of things that you intend to sell, which are part of your store, not part of your house. I have a big question whether, since you never intended from before Shabbos to use it for private use, rather, this is your parnasa, so therefore, you, uh, there's always a question, what are the laws of muksa when it comes to items that if they would belong to you would be permissible, but if, since they belong to your shop, they belong to your professional life, therefore, you, perhaps they're more than muksa. So this is the question that Rabbi Yenison ben Achinoi, Rabbi Yenison ben Elazar, and Rabbi Chanina Bachama were discussing. Amalahu, Rabbi Chanina Bachama answered that, uh, Amalahu, Rabbi Yenison ben Elazar, the Stambushal Balabayas Tanan. He said, in fact, the Mishnah was probably only addressing those hides that belonged to a Balabayas. But of course, if they were the hides which belonged to a worker who needed them to stay perfectly intact, not to get nicked, not to get damaged, so you wouldn't use them for Hatmana. You're usually makbid not to use it. And even if you decide on Shabbos to change your mind and use these uh, hides that you were going to sell afterwards for insulating, they would have a muktzah status. Taught me differently, says the Gemara on the top of Memtes Amid Beis 49b. Abba Shulchahava, my father was a uh, hide ten, uh, processor. The Amman, he taught me, so he actually worked in this profession, and he taught me that the Amar Haviu Shlachin bin Nashabalayan. He used to ask me. Rashi says during the week, bring me mattresses and I will uh, and I will sleep on them. Now the mattresses weren't mattresses. The mattresses were pieces of uh, hides that hadn't that he was planning on working on and selling. So we see clearly that even a worker, even though even a worker would use the hides in a way which didn't really damage them and make them unfit for resale, and therefore they shouldn't be muktzah on Shabbos to use for hatmana. Now, what's interesting is that Rashi says the proof the Gemara is citing here is just a proof in uh, Mili Da'alma, how, to, how they were treated by their workers, that they were treated as, uh, as non-muktzah, as non, uh, they were used as a regular mattress, even though they planned on selling them. Taisvah says that, in fact, it's a stronger proof than that, that Rabbeinu Hanan, he quotes Rabbeinu Hananu, that he was bringing a proof that his father used to use them, that uh, the fact that Rabbi Shmuel Bar Yaisi said, he used to teach over, that his father was a worker and he used to use them even on Shabbos, even the hides, even the skins that he would use for, for professional purposes, for resale, is a proof that, that the halacha is indeed on Shabbos, you may use them for hatmana. Um, so it's just two different, Machlaikas Rashi tells us how to really understand how much of a proof we have from that story. It says the Gemara Meisvei, second line down, 49b, Memtes Amid Beis. Let's contradict, let's bring you a proof not like you just established. Nisarim shall balabayas metatlanois on boards that belong to a balabayas, to a private person, even though they were just wooden boards, which I guess you're going to use them for some construction purpose after Shabbos, but still one may use them on Shabbos as well if they belong to you. 
but if they are only yours because you intended to use them to make or sell something after Shabbos, perhaps you have like a Home Depot, you have tons of boards, but you never intended to use them for personal use. They become muksa, you cannot carry them. However, if you had in mind to, uh, if you had in mind to use it for guests as a tray, as a serving tray, then we agree that uh, you, they're not considered, even if it belongs to a, a worker, to a craftsman, they, uh, they are considered to be designated for a vessel for Shabbos. Without that, clearly, we do not allow you to use it if it belongs to a craftsman. And the same thing would be true about the hides, even though we have a story which shows there was a craftsman who used it, but clearly the Mishnah did not consider that to be enough of uh, evidence as the, this Brisa that we're bringing, which is authored by Atana before the discussion of the previous Gemara, says that it's Aser. Says the Gemara, Shani Nisarim to Layu. You can't bring me a proof from apples to oranges, or in this case, from boards to, to hides. Boards, they were mocked on the workers that they shouldn't get ruined, they shouldn't get scratched. But the hides, I guess, uh, they weren't afraid that they would get damaged. Tashima, says the Gemara, let us analyze this further. Oyrois, we have a Brisa which teaches us. Oyrois, that skins, whether they were already, uh, whether they were already um, processed, uh, or tanned, I guess, they were already worked on, they were dyed or not. This Brisa says, that you're allowed to carry them on Shabbos. So our Mishnah said that you cannot carry them on Shabbos. And here we have a Bryce which says that you may. Says the Gemara, That Bryce is talking about Tomah, but that's not a proof to the laws of, of Muktza. When it comes to the my love, is it not talking about both the hides of a balabayas and the hides of a worker, that the only time we said that you're allowed to carry it was for tumma purposes, but for Shabbos purposes, they would both be muktza. Says the Gemara, that's not a proof. Maybe it's for Shabbos purposes, only that of a balabayas will be permissible. Uman, you can't be metalto. You have a Mishnah which teaches you a halacha about hides. And the Mishnah gives you two scenarios. But the Mishnah gives you the scenario of uh, whether it's. We said, but only, we're not talking about, uh, we're only talking about. Tuma, for Tuma purposes, which is its own set of halacha. Why do you have to split it? Teach me two scenarios relevant to hides as follows. Um, you're 
why doesn't the Mishnah itself, if you're looking to teach me, if the author of the Mishnah wanted to teach me two distinct cases of the laws of hides, why talk about Tumah, just talk about Shabbos, don't differentiate between Shabbos and Tumah, rather make a more basic differentiation between the hides of a worker, a craftsman, and the hides of a private individual, if such a difference really exists. Uh, 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 unless we see that Tana was trying to give you an exhaustive list of halachas, and the only two cases he could come up with was a difference between Shabbos and Toma, but not in Shabbos itself. So that's a proof that we don't differentiate between that of a workman and of a private person, that they're both not muktzah on Shabbos. Says Gemara Lai, the Gemara refutes that logic. In fact, that author, that Bryce, who was only discussing the, the, uh, the hides of a private person. And he wanted to stay out of the machlekes that really exists on this subject. What is that machlekes? The Tanakama holds that the is a difference between hides which belong to you as a private owner or hides which belong to a craftsman that he intends to use for a commercial purpose. So the earlier Brisa, which differentiated between the laws of Toma and Shabbos, wanted to teach us halachas that were not involved with that machlaikas. But in fact, what the halacha is, is a, whether there's a leniency uh, uh, only by the hides of a private person is a matter of a dispute between the Tanakama and Rabbi Yaisi. I think this is probably a very fundamental Gemara to Hilchas Shabbos. The Chachamim were sitting and they asked, the, these Chachamim were still sitting, and they asked the following Shiloh. How did Tanan, Avos Mulachas Abraham Chasa Achas, we are going to learn uh, later, not so much later, but in about a month, Kineged Mi Amar. Kineged Mi. Where did we get the 39 malachas in the Mishnah that we're going to talk about uh, later on? Where did the Tana get 39? So who was one of the three people we said were sitting together, taught us that it was actually corresponding to the different works that were performed in the Mishkan. In the Mishkan. So anytime, I'll just read the Rashi on this on the left-hand margin, because he says it really beautifully, and this is probably very fundamental for understanding the connection between 39 malachas of Shabbos and their origins from the work that was performed in the Mishkan, the tabernacle. Avoidus HaMishkan, says Rashi, those that are counted there later on, HaYitzrichin LeMishkan, were all necessary works in the construction of the Mishkan. And the two parshiyas are taught next to each other uh, in order to teach us this lesson. Back on the Gemara, it says in the Torah 39 times the word malacha, 
and the thirty, um, the thirty, and it says by Shabbos loisasa kol melacha, you shall not do any work, um, corresponding to all the, to- the works, the amount of works that wor- types of working of labor that are forbidden are corresponding to the word melacha in the Torah, and it says thirty nine times melacha in the Torah, melacha shabbat achas is thirty nine. So seems like it's a slightly different um, understanding. It's not just from the 39 malachas that were necessary in the Mishkan, but in fact, the, uh, in fact, the, 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 the amount of malachas that are taught us in the Torah are 39, and on Shabbos it says, do not perform malacha. Why Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef asked the question, that it talks about Yosef at Tzadik, that before he was recognized in Mitzrayim, he was a servant in the house of Potiphar. And he came home from doing his work in the field, and the wife of Potiphar tried to seduce Yosef at, uh, Yosef at Tzadik. Um, that Pasek, in, where it's still in uh, Bereshis, is that word malacha from Yosef, is that considered part of your list of 39 or not? So very interesting. Today people would say, Google it. But Abayah says, no, let's bring a Torah and see are there 39 other instances of the mention of the work of the word malacha or are there 39 including the episode of Yosef and Eshes Paitifat? Says the Gemara, Mila Yama Rabba Baba Chana Vyechna Loizazmi Shab. Ach Havu Sefatara Uminum. So they didn't budge from there. Uh, they didn't budge from there that, uh, until, you, that until you bring a Sefatara and count it. So we couldn't go. Amalek, Kikamasapkili, Kikamasapkili. So Rabbi uh, Yisuf said to Abaye that uh, it's 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 a suffix to me. Uh, since there's another pasuk in Shemais, which also mentions the word malacha, and I don't know if we're counting that or not. Uh, I don't know whether to count that or not. So we have a question. We have a question. Do you include the Pasik by Yosef at Sadik as the 39th mention of Malacha? In which case, this Pasik, which comes later on, was in fact not. Counted, or or do we say that uh, the when it says that by Yosef that he came it doesn't mean that he came to the house uh, to do work. It means that it was actually his intent to do take care of his needs with the wife of Potiphar in an intimate manner. And later on, we know Rashi says the picture of Yaakov Avinu appeared to him and he ran out of the house. 
So we weren't sure whether that should be considered part of that word malacha should be the counting of malacha. And when it says later on that they had enough uh, malacha, the Pasuk and Shemais was not referring to work, but rather was referring to the preparations, the bringing all the materials needed for the construction of the Mishkan. So which word is it that we count as the 39th? Is it the word malacha of Yosef, or is it the word malacha of the people who are bringing materials to construct the Mishkan? And bringing a Sefer Torah won't help you to count, because we know for sure it says it 40 times, but we just don't know which time is not counted. Mashiach will come and we'll know the answer. Tanya command the Amr Kenegad avoidis a Mishkan Mishkan says the says the Brisa says the Gemara let's bring a Brisa as a proof that the uh, to this concept that the thirty nine Malachas correspond to the thirty nine uh, the thirty nine types of work that were performed in the Mishkan as opposed to the second opinion that we had earlier that it corresponds to the amount of types of the amount of times. The Torah says the word malacha. The Tanya ain't chayavin ella al malacha shekiyaitza bahaisa b'mishka. We learned in a brisa. This is probably the most fundamental and underrated brisa that we've had so far. That uh, Shabbos, everybody's confused as to, or a lot of people, it's a, it's a confusing thing to connect the dots. How we get to uh, our prohibitions on Shabbos. But in reality, this Brisa, together with this Gemara of understanding that Malacha is defined, work, forbidden work is defined, but how the Torah defined Malacha when it came to the construction of the Mishkan. It says the Gemara, they planted, so you do not plant. They would cut down. And you don't cut down. So Rashi explains, and this is actually a machlekes rishayim, which will come up again later on. Rashi on the left-hand margin, almost where the lines get wide, says, "Heim zari v'katsu." They planted and cut. Simanin l'tzvayat chelas va'eris ilim v'tachnu v'lashunami simanin l'tzvayat. That in order to make the dyes to dye the the chelas, the uh, special colors and uh, the in order to make the dyes that they would cut, cover the hides with, they would need to grind up uh, plants to, to make these colors. Um, the, the Rashi just continues, cooking as well, according to Rashi, baking and cooking was learned out of this activity as well that they needed to uh, grind up, they needed to grind up the, uh, and, and heat up the dyes to cook them on, in order to make uh, colors for the different materials in the base of Mikdash. And that's where, why we cannot bake or cook on Shabbos today. Says the Gemara, hey, mahalu gala. they would lift up the boards of the Mishkan from the floor onto the wagon. That's the whole origin of why you can't carry on Shabbos, because they would put it from a public domain, from the ground onto a private wagon. 
Hem Paividu as a crusher may agola karka, they would lower the beams from the wagons onto the ground. Therefore, we cannot carry, you shall not carry from a private domain to a public domain on Shabbos. They would transfer items from wagon to wagon. You cannot carry them between one private domain to another. So, says the Gemara, what in fact is the prohibition from bringing it from one wagon to another wagon as that, and we know that that's not considered, uh, uh, we, uh, that's not considered a derisa prohibition. And, uh, it, but it seems like the Gemara is asking even stronger. But the Gemara is saying that there's no malacha involved. Whereas putting it on the ground, that was more of a malacha. It must be talking about the, the, the rice of that Mishnah meant to say that they used to carry from a wagon to another wagon, but it didn't go directly from the wagon onto the other wagon. Rather, they would have to carry it through a public domain in between the two wagons. And that's why it was considered a malacha on Shabbos. Says the Gemara, back to our discussions, that was a fascinating Gemara clarifying, uh, clarifying the origins of Hilchas Shabbos to a large extent. Says the Gemara, So back in our Mishnah on Memtesa Aleph on 49a, so we said that uh, you can use Gizet Semer you can use these pieces of wool for hatmana for covering. However, you may not, you may not use it as. Um, however, you may not use it as uh, just to casually carry it around. So Rava says, obviously, once you use them for, uh, once you use them for hatmana then must be that it takes away the muktzah status from these raw pieces of wool that uh, you had no, that were muktzah. But once you show that they are forming blanket to you, must be that they're not considered muktzah anymore. That was Rava's uh, statement. Eisve says the Gemara, really? Who were there in the base Medrash that day asked Rabbah, but doesn't say in our Mishnah, our very own Mishnah on Aleph clearly refutes that as it says that even though you use it for Hatmana, still it does not, a, you cannot just walk around carrying it. Says the Gemara on top of Nun Aleph, rather you have to do it in a way where the wool would just fall casually to the side and not that you would carry it. So it must be that we misunderstood. Uh, Rabba, Rabba could not say that. If you didn't yet designate it for Hatmana, even if you didn't use it, said Rabba, different scenario than And even so, I'm willing to be lenient. However, if you never designated it for hatmana purposes, then I will not allow you
to, to then it's muktzah, full-fledged muktzah on Shabbos. And we'll stop over there. Everybody should have a wonderful, wonderful Shabbos and a Rishchidosh here. Rishchidosh is always a time of double simcha. So we know there's a customs that even people who have, uh, even people who hold the first half of Sphira were able to shave and uh, take a haircut as uh, there's a double simcha of Shabbos and Rishchidosh come together and together with such an amazing daf that we had today, we know our personal simchas will have truly been enhanced for this coming Shabbos. Have a wonderful, safe, and healthy Shabbos.